Welcome, welcome, welcome. Once again, we on the Positive Deposit Podcast where we transform moms and change lives. And I'm so excited tonight because I have a fellow bison with me who is a breast cancer, I'm not even going to say survivor, a conqueror. And, you know, I love her energy. I was watching her journey throughout the whole entire process. And I'm so appreciative that she allowed us to walk the journey with her um, through Instagram, through Facebook. And um, and so we're definitely going to talk about that today. And so I have the pleasure of having Erica Easter on the show with me. And so I want to, you know, give you a chance to introduce yourself and then we'll jump right into this uh, courageous conversation. All righty. Well, my name is Erica Easter. Um, shit, I was about to give the Howard introduction. Hey, <laughs> senior, I mean... <laughs> senior so-and-so major. No. So my name is Erica Easter. I live in the DC area. I am 30, late 30s, uh, a mother, a fabulous, fast, can I curse? Okay. I'm a fabulous, fast-ass auntie. You can bleep it if you need to. Okay. Um, Also uh, a sex educator and co-host of the podcast called The Turn On and was diagnosed with breast cancer back in December of 2019. Wow, wow. Well, thank you uh, for joining us today. So we're going to get right into it. And so um, when were you diagnosed and um, what was going on during that time? So I, my family lives in Missouri. So I went to Missouri to visit my family, came back for thank, from Thanksgiving. And, um, you know, I'm one of those like type A anal type of people. So like I got home, I unpacked everything. I was like, I'm going to take a hot shower and lay in bed. Right, right. Shower, laying in bed. And I don't know if I was like feeling myself up or what. Like, I wish <laughs> I could say that I was one of those people that like diligently did self exams and that kind yeah. of thing. But I wasn't. Um, but I was laying in bed, felt myself up and felt the lump. And I was like, this don't feel right. right. So, my best friend, God bless her, she lives upstairs. So, I literally like threw on some pants feel this and she was like <laughs> okay yeah and so um we felt the lump and i was just you know like i'm like 30 i was 38 at the time so i'm like hey, this this can't be this this is nothing this is no big deal i had actually had my um annual exam with my ob obgyn yeah. like a month before and they do an exam and she didn't feel anything so i'm like must be a cyst. It must be something. No big deal. So um, I called my doctor and I will say, like, I hear a lot of times about black women saying that they're not being heard by their doctors or anything like that. My doctor was phenomenal. I went to her. I told her that I had an issue and she was like, okay. She, she felt that she was like, yep, it's a lump. Might be a cyst. I don't think it's a big deal, but Here's an order for mammogram and ultrasound. And also here's a referral to a breast surgeon. She said, because even if it's nothing, I know you, I know you're going to want that extra layer of, you know, reassurance. So make your, make your appointment for your mammogram and ultrasound. And then also reach out to this breast surgeon just to kind of where, however this shakes out, you're going to want to talk to them. So I did that. And, um, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. You're so fine. I did that and went to the hospital. 
how does you want me? Okay, so went to the hospital um, and had the mammogram and the ultrasound. And, you know, it was weird. I'm sitting in there, you know, doing all of this. And I'm with, like, all these old ladies and walkers. You can tell that they were, you know, like, doing their annual exam. Right. And here I am just like, this ain't real. This ain't real. No big deal. I, you know, I had an early morning appointment because I was like, I'll knock this out and then go back to the office. No big deal. Yeah. And after the mammogram and ultrasound, this lady came in and she was like, well, we're really concerned, so we're going to do a biopsy. And I was like, oh, okay. She's like, so you can go get some lunch and come back in an hour. And I was like, wait, hold, huh? So that was, was, a, that was the shock factor. That was yeah, the shock I was factor. Like, wait, what? And she was like, yeah, it's no. And so at this point, I literally crumbled. This woman was a woman that was just like scheduling and giving me a free parking coupon. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> And like crying in this lady's lap. It was it was a mess, but thankfully she was a sweetheart. Yeah. And um I got my biopsy done later that day. And what was really scary to me is that the woman that was doing the biopsy, the radiation tech or radiologist, yeah. she was kind of talking to me like I already had cancer. You know, like it was one of those things where she's like, Don't worry women live with cancer and they live fab they live great lives and i was like bitch you're supposed to be telling me like <laughs> don't worry you know but she was on like you got it you're gonna be fine tip and so i lost it um and that was on a thursday and so they say it takes like two to three business days yeah so then i had to go that whole weekend like with cancer looming over your head yeah um and thankfully i work i i say that i was blessed every single term of cancer because i work with i work in a very small office with three other black women who are like family so i got a call that tuesday morning from the radiation tech and she was like unfortunately my suspicions were confirmed it's cancer and literally like all I could do was walk into my boss's office and all three of them circled up. They held my hands. They prayed with me. They cried with me, sent me home for the day, you know? So it was like, I feel like I got most of the, the shock out the yeah. week before when they were like biopsy, yada, 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 but it was still a lot. And I was blessed to have good people in my life at that moment to kind of help me absorb the shock. Man. So um, that's that's crazy, but I want to take it back. You you mentioned something about how your doctor, your doctor pretty much kind of set everything up and prepared everything. How yes. important is it to have not only a good relationship, but more open and transparency when you're dealing with medical professions? Because sometimes you don't get that. Like you got yeah. the whole package, you know? Yeah. Um, I know for me, it was it wasn't that thorough. So yeah. you know, how did you build that relationship with your doctor or is that just how those doctors and, you know, GBYN or whatever just kind of operate? So I am the type of person, I pay a lot of money for health insurance. And so I use it. Like I have, I went to the, my dermatologist once and she was like, ma'am, you just need to put on lotion. Like you were just, little, you need to moisturize a little bit more. Like I go to the doctor and my okay. doctors know that. And it's not that I'm a hypochondriac or anything, but it's like, 
I pay a lot of money for this and I am blessed to be able to have this. So I'm right. going to utilize it fully to its fullest extent. Okay. So my doctors already know that I am a very comprehensive, like I'm always on time for my routine exams and that kind of thing. So even when, like I said, I got diagnosed around Thanksgiving. So it was like during the Thanksgiving Christmas holiday where everybody's yeah. kicking into vacation mode. Yeah. And so even getting in with the breast surgeon, because I made the appointment with the breast surgeon the same day I made the appointment for the mammogram and ultrasound. Right. But that wasn't until like after Christmas. Okay. And so once I got the diagnosis, I was like, oh, hell no. We gonna, y'all going to get this up out of me immediately. We don't know what's right. going on. And so at that point, I put a heart. I was like, you know what? I'm putting on a hardcore press. Like I called my doctor. I was like, look, this was as soon as you can get me in. You said you know him. Prove it. You know, I called the doctor's office and thankfully there was a woman, there was a black woman that works at the front desk and she was just mad cool. And I call her every morning, like, do y'all have any cancellations? And so, you know, cause I was, I, I just like, I hustle in so many parts of my life. I got to hustle when it comes to my health and thankfully people listened to me and I had like really good people, really good doctors and the front desk staff. I say all the time, make friends with the front desk staff. Cause that's my doctor will tell you all the time. I don't know what I'm doing. I go where she tells me to go. Yeah. So I just made it a point to like really, you know, hustle and make sure that I'm on top of this, you know? And um, so essentially my doctors know that when it comes to me, you might be different with other other patients i don't think they are but when it comes to me i don't play yeah and i and i mean i think that you said it right there you're staying on top of it you're you're not just going in letting a doctor just tell you whatever you know you are staying on top and it's so important um and i said this i've always challenged doctors you know Mm -hmm. because of the information that i had i'm like are you sure we're supposed to be doing this because i read somewhere dot 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 where there was a study so i'm glad that you uh, not only pay good for good insurance, you know, thank God you have good insurance, yeah. but you, you, you challenge the doctors and you make sure they know um, that you not, you're not playing no games. But the thing that you said that a lot of people don't realize is that those front desk receptionists can make or break your experience in the doctor's office, whether you may get bumped up or you're, they're like, oh, they gave me an attitude today. Nah, we'll, we'll wait. We'll yeah, wait. yeah. Like, oh, well, I'll put you in on his lunch break, like that kind of stuff, you know? And so it's, it has been, and, and I will also say to touch on something you said, um, when you first get diagnosed or with anything, like you're dealing with the shock of like your mortality because you hear yeah. cancer and it's just like, oh my gosh. But also you are getting so much information thrown at you and you kind of got to like soak it up but and at the same time make sure you're like uh should i get a second opinion do i trust this doctor do i need to you know and and so like even when i first got diagnosed i ended up with a doctor that my um ob suggested yeah and typically i like to go to you know black doctors black women doctors people of color but i just ended up with a white breast surgeon and my um, oncologist is Latinx, but even going, things were moving so fast. It was like, Ugh, I kind of want to, you know, I want to do some, get a second opinion. I want to do this, but then it was just like, but 
I need to make moves immediately, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was, so that is one piece that I know a lot of people are like, oh, I did a second opinion. I did this, I did that. I didn't. Um, and not that I regret it, but I do know that that is a piece that I missed out on that a lot of people tend to do. Yeah, and, and it's, it's nothing wrong um, if you didn't get the second opinion, because like even for me, that's what they said, like, go get a second opinion, go to the Philadelphia Cancer Center, you know, um, and do all that. However, if you trust your doctor and you feel confident and you want to, you know, just go ahead and move forward, it's A-OK. And so I'm glad you did that. Now, I know you went through both processes because with breast cancer, you can either get the surgery or you can get radiation, get chemo, but you had to endure both. I did the whole kitten. How long was that treatment like? I had the whole package. Side effects of that treatment. (laughs) Okay, so when I initially got diagnosed, um, from what I understand, typically you get diagnosed and then they're able to like run tests on these on the cell sample to tell you what kind of cancer, uh, what kind of what type of breast cancer it is, yeah. and also what stage you are, and they they pull yeah. all this information. the The samples that they got in my biopsy were too didn't have enough of the cancer cells in it to really give wow. them a full picture of what everything was looking like. Right. So. Once I met with my breast surgeon, he definitely did the um, the genetic testing to see if I had a gene that made me susceptible to breast cancer. Thank goodness I didn't because I have lots of family members that could, you know, yeah. had to deal with it. Um, so they did that. And then they did an MRI, which noticed that some of the um, cancer had traveled to some lymph nodes. Oh, wow. So, um, because it was in my lymph nodes, my doctor was like, off the bat, you're going to have to do radiation, but you need to talk to an oncologist. Because, I mean, I went for a minute before actually even seeing an oncologist. I'm like, how does this work? But I met with my oncologist, and she said, we're going to have to see, we're going to have to wait and see what happens with, what, what comes of the pathology from the breast surgery. Right. So, so, they, so they were like, initially, we're definitely going to do breast surgery. When you uh, get diagnosed with cancer, you can either do a lumpectomy or a mastectomy. Lumpectomy is just they go in and take out the cancer. Okay. I am 38 years old. I am vain. My love language is nudes. So I'm like, <laughs> you are not going to just take a chunk of this titty and leave me just some right. women choose to, not I. So I was like, you're going to do a mastectomy. You're going to take it all off. And I like to match. Also, this one tried killing me. We ain't giving this one a chance to do that. So I had a double mastectomy. Okay. So they took both of them off. And then they, All right. you didn't think he was going to get that from me. But anyway. Oh, no, it's, it's fine. I mean, you know, like, I've heard it all. You see what I'm saying? So okay, it's, it's okay. You know right. what I mean? So. so I did a double mastectomy. Um, And the way that they do it, you can, there are a bunch of different types of ways to reconstruct your breast. Yeah. Um, I haven't had given birth to kids, and so I didn't have a lot of extra stomach fat. They do; they have some gotcha. really cool technology in rebuilding your breast. I wasn't a candidate for that, so I ended up uh, going with a uh, not an immediate reconstruction, but they did uh, tissue expanders. So they put like I call them Capri Sun pouches. I'm probably <laughs> fucking it all up, but they're like these little tissue expanders. They're like little implants with like a little yeah. like. It's like a little metal thing in the top. 
Yeah. And literally, I would go to my doctor, and she'd like have this magnet and go boop, and it, that support, and take these big syringes and go, and just fill them up to get your skin like a Capri Sun. Ooh. Like a Capri Sun, exactly. <laughs> so, so I have my Capri Sun pouches. So right after mastectomy, I have my Capri Sun pouches. Uh, they fill them, fill them up to the appropriate size. Right. And then they got the pathology, which said, hey, girl, your cancer is grade three. So I was only stage 1B, but I was grade okay. three, meaning that it was, so you know. So let me ask you this. Oh, sorry. What is the difference with, like, stages, like, 1B, like, stage two? What are the A, B, C? Is it D? Does it go down the alphabet? Like, no, so, those that so, don't know. It's, shit, I don't. Um, so <laughs> it, I know you, can do, you have stages one through four, and then I think it's, like, A, a and B. Okay. And so, um, and then they also have stage zero. And I know wow. that there are women that get, uh, that have mastectomies when they are stage zero. And it's like, you have a bunch of precancerous cells. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you about that, but right. nonetheless, I'm stage one B, um, it's stage one through four. And it, it's a, a bunch of different criteria because I literally kept asking what stage am I? What stage am I? Yeah. And it took for me to meet with my oncologist for her to like put all this information into the computer and then spit out and say you're stage one B. And it's based on like the size of the size of it, where it is, how many lymph nodes have, has it traveled to. Like I said, I had um, a total of nine lymph nodes removed, but only two tests had cancerous cells in them. Oh, wow. So that was great. Um, amazing. But, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so um, I was stage one B. They did the they did the um surgery, put in my uh, my tissue expanders, and then they realized that I was stage I was grade three, which okay. meant that my cancer was moving faster than they ex had expected. Because wow. they were like, "Oh, we caught it super early. It's super small. You'll probably just need radiation," but. Considering my age, I'm a young tenderoni. Um, <laughs> they, uh, my doctor was like, we need to do chemotherapy. Yeah. Chemo scared the shit out of me, like, no lie. Because you, you so know. Chemo is, is uh, SOB. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and so my younger sister's, one of my younger sister's best friends has, has breast cancer. She's still fighting it. It's uh, metastatic. Metastic, sorry. Anyway. So she had it and she was like, oh, you'll be good. Don't worry. Just as long as you don't get the red devil, you'll be fine. I'm like, oh, the red devil, that red bag, the red bag. Yeah. It's, I, I'm sorry. The, I, and the reason why the red bag just, cause I just, I just had a, a flashback. Yeah. And, and what does it do to you? Cause, cause it, oh, it puts your body on fire. I was, I, was, I was lucky. I will say that I was lucky that it didn't go. It wasn't, Horrible, horrible. But it oh. definitely was on some, it was that bullshit. Like, it was that bullshit. <laughs> That's the best thing I can say. So I did, um, I had to do a total of eight rounds of chemotherapy. Wait, yeah, eight rounds of chemotherapy. The first four were AC. I, it's, it's short for some other stuff. Yeah. I don't know. But the Red Devil was a part of it. Yep. And then the last four were Taxol. Um, oh, okay. I was very lucky that I lost my hair, but I always wore my hair short, so I still it worked out. Yeah, it worked out. out. Um, yeah, but so I lost my hair. I was I I remember going to my doctor like, um, 
So when does the weight loss part of this journey begin? Like, <laughs> y'all promised me new taste, got them. When am I going to lose some weight? Never lost weight. As a matter of uh, all those steroids? Yeah. Bruh. I remember the first, after my first chemo treatment, I woke up at like two in the morning and started frying fish and making mashed potatoes. Dang. My brother was like, what is wrong with you? I was like, I can't sleep and I'm hungry. You hangry. <laughs> Angry, yeah. So um, so I was very blessed in the sense that I didn't have, like, like I was able to eat. I didn't lose my appetite. I was eating like a champ. Um, I did deal with a little bit of neuropathy when I started doing Taxol. Okay. But I drank a shitload of water. I was like guzzling water to just kind of flush everything out of me. And then I started doing acupuncture, which was super helpful. And I still do acupuncture now, which helped with hot flashes. It helped with the neuropathy. It helped with making sure I could sleep. Um, Is that like with the needles? Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh man, you was doing that Chinese. Yes. Chinese techniques. Okay. Yes. But also... And I try to be very open about this because no one told me this, but so I started, my first chemotherapy treatment was the Thursday before everything shut down in the DC area for COVID. Oh, wow. So not only am I going through like chemotherapy, but then I'm like sending my kid to school every day, hearing about COVID and I'm like looking at him like, make sure you wash your hands, you know? But, right, right. So it was, it was like really, like the, my biggest issue as I went through chemo was really a mental thing. And, and I was just about to ask you, how did you sustain your mental, not only with everything that's going on and with the diagnosis, but now you got COVID. Prozac, marijuana, and... uh yeah, Prozac and weed. Like I, I ain't even gonna lie. I ain't even gonna lie. Like I, I, I remember I had a because I, I've been doing therapy. I believe in therapy, especially Black people, especially Black women. Yeah. So I have an amazing therapist that I've been working with, and I remember I had a session. Shout out to the therapist. The Shout work. out to the therapist. Um, and I remember I had a session with her, and I was laying. I literally laid in bed and cried for forty five minutes straight. And that is not who I am. I mean, like I, I hate when people are like you're so strong. No, I'm just dealing with the shit life gave me. But at the same time, I'm not one of those people to just lay around crying. And she was like, maybe we should talk about medications. And it was the best thing to happen to me. And so I want people to recognize when you're going through chemo, your body is doing some crazy shit. Like my brain was yeah. doing a funky Matusi. And I needed something to help calm everything down. And yeah. so I was like, I'm open about it that, medicating it was the best thing for me and i'm not yeah. saying it works for everybody but it worked for me and don't be hesitant to take that step your body is going That's through good. a yeah. lot you are facing a lot of stuff and so medicating, it's stressful. It's it stressful. is stressful as hell like and i was i remember i was laying in like the moment where i was like okay i gotta talk to somebody i was laying in bed and i remember like thinking back about when I first heard about COVID on the news and I was like, I should have known about this. You know, like I was like trying to like rationalize how I could have helped save my home from COVID. Like it was just, yeah. it was some wild shit. And so it was just like, you know, but Erica, you have to take a step back and get the help you need. And so I was very happy that I did because 
that helped me get through the rest of it. Like it has really, it, it, I know my son is just like, I don't know what happened, but thank you. <laughs> Cause I drove him crazy. I'm sure. I'm sure. Now throughout this, you've talked about many instances of like support, not only from your doctors, I mean, your work family, you know, coming around you, praying over you, you know, allowing that space. But also I know that you're a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority yes. Incorporated. And, and I'm a, and I'm a Greek too. So I know during my diagnosis, both times, the noops were there. The noops were the support. How were the deltas? So I will say this. You no, know, your your line sisters. Two greatest decisions in life: Howard University and Delta Sigma Theta. Like I just, when you go through something like this, like it is amazing. I feel bad for people that are like, oh, I really got to see who was there and who wasn't there. I never had a moment where it was a, there was someone who wasn't there. It was like mm. everybody was there. And it was right. it was a true blessing. Like I one day I was sitting at home and one of my sorors from 96. Yeah. She literally rang my doorbell and was like, hey, and I don't do pop-ups. She was like, hey, um, I just want to make sure your son like recognizes me and meets me. So if I gotta pick him up from school or you know, like it was just like wow whoa you know just meals i didn't have to worry about meals i didn't have to i, I literally like speeches like man that, that's yeah, I, I, and you can tell i'm not a speechless type of gal but no. i the amount of support that i received from line sisters from sorors like just i was to this literally the other day i got a gift and my I opened up my mail. I got a gift. I don't even know who the hell it came from. Like, I, it has just been, I am speechless and beside myself in the way that people have shown up for me. I have truly, truly, utterly been blessed. Like, if I talk about it too long, I'm going to cry because it has been Let amazing. it out. No. Just <laughs> it has been amazing the amount of support that I've received from people. Like, I just... I can't even put it into words. Like, I just stopped paying for Uber Eats. Like, I mean, just started paying for Uber Eats. Like, yeah. and I got diagnosed back in December. You know, I get a random cash app with a thousand dollars from such and such line since you just, you know, like, cause they want to make wow. sure you're okay. Or I had a group of women, they paid for someone to come clean my house every day for eight weeks. Jeez. We had to stop because of COVID. You know, it was just yeah. like, the amount of love and support was was life changing, and also it has made me think about how I show up for people. You know, it made mm. me think about like, well, damn, this was helpful. I had a homegirl; she sent me two books of stamps, like I was in jail. But it was, and it was just like, yo, I know you're gonna be sending out a bunch of thank you cards. Here's some stamps. You know, just little things you don't even think about. I have a I have a huge dog. You probably hear him snoring in the background. So sorry, Lauren. Um, <laughs> But they paid for somebody to come walk my dog. You know, it was just the amount of, I, I am completely speechless. The night before my funeral, shit, yeah, I said funeral. Oh, Lord, take Ooh. that, <laughs> that. The night before my surgery, yeah, there was this big-ass Zoom call with folks praying for me. 
Mm. And, you know, like I said, my family is in Missouri. It's just me, my youngest, my younger brother and my son here in the DC area. And my mother passed away a while back. And so my aunt came to stay with me. Um, yeah. And, you know, they think you just all alone. And yeah, it was like homecoming at the damn hospital after surgery. Like, and nice. after surgery, it's surgery. You can't have a bunch of folks up in your room. Nope. They were like, look, we're going to tag team. I remember I, <laughs> right after surgery, this is a TMI, but I'm a TMI kind of gal. Um, right after surgery, you know how they tell you you can't eat all day? Yeah. So I get out of surgery. I am hungry as hell. So I'm like, I need some food right now. Right, so right. they're feeding me. One of my girlfriends is feeding me. And after surgery, you still have all this gas and stuff. And so I'm like eating, eating, eating. She leaves. Another girlfriend shows up. And I literally just like vomited all over her. Just like, yeah. And she's like, it's okay. My aunt was like, no, it's not. Just vomiting all these people. <laughs> but that, that was just the love. Like, that was just yeah. the love. Like, it is just, I cannot put into words how blessed I have been to have such an amazing support group. Because I would not have had this kind of, I, like, I just, I don't think I would have done as well as I did had I not had that support. And then okay. when COVID you know, when COVID happened, we couldn't see each other. So like, you know, everybody, their last day of chemo is like, we would have been on somebody's beach, you know, yeah. but we couldn't. So my girlfriends literally were like, how are we going to make this a big deal for Erica from home? And so they did the hashtag EE chemo and fancy, no, fancy and chemo free, EE fancy and chemo free. And they took over the internet. Like no, they, no, when I say they took over the internet, I felt bad. I couldn't find a tuxedo <laughs> and, and get jazzy with everyone. And it, it wasn't just your line sisters. It was other people that just kind of yeah. joined the movement. And that hashtag went viral. So I was just like, yeah. Wow. So so part of the hashtag, everyone, because it was. It was uh, the middle of COVID, so no one yeah. was dressing up or going anywhere. So everyone like put on their nicest clothes, sequins, full face of makeup, and then just recorded a message for me. And it was just the most beautiful, loving thing, especially because it's like, I know you got on sweatpants underneath that, but you really, you really went out to show me that you really cared about me. It was just, I, again, I was speechless. Absolutely speechless. So and I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot. So then oh, you're after good. chemo, I did my second step uh, reconstruction. So I had to wait about two, three weeks just for my numbers to kind of bounce back a little bit. And they took out my Capri Sun pouches and gave me my forever 20 year boobies. Um, so I say all the time, I'm gonna be an old 90 year old lady. I'm having the titties of a 20 year old. They don't just... <laughs> <laughs> so, um... I want to ask you, so now you, ha you have this podcast called Turn On, right? And now yes. you have reconstructed, you know, yes. tie ties. Yes. What's, what's, the, what's the twist now? Now that you, you see what I'm saying, you have this podcast, it's about, you know, sex, turn on, you know, things that, and now you've been reconstructed, you have, you know, the breast of a 20-year-old and things of that nature. How, is this, how does that intertwine with, you know, your, now your, your podcast in a different light? 
So, okay, a few things. Just to rewind a bit. So my podcast is called The Turn On. And each week we read a piece of erotica that's written by a Black woman. So we center our podcast around Black women and Black men. Love mm. the guys. Love the other people of color. Love whites. But this is for, this is a space for Black women and femmes. So you're more than welcome to listen. We love you. But this is who it's for. And so each week we, and then we talk about our sex lives. So like we had an episode, our, one of our first episodes, we uh, read a story about BDSM. And then we had someone who was really active in the BDSM community come in and discuss it. And we talked about our, you know, when, when do yeah. we, you know, do dominant and submissive roles in the bedroom and that kind of thing. And so going through a, a traumatic event that makes, that like does so much with changing your body and how it looks, yeah. it was definitely interesting. Um, I also in this period started uh, doing work as a sex educator. And so I'm adding a piece about like breast cancer and just trauma to it because I think that you, you change so much. I was blessed to like love my shit. Like I, like I said before, my love language is nudes. I show them all. Like I like them. I like showing them. I remember right before my surgery, I sent all my line sisters the pictures of the old ones. They was like, bitch, I'm at Bible study and I get your titties in the text message. <laughs> like really. <laughs> Crazy. But nonetheless, so it has just going through so much with my body, not only, you know, losing, changing my breast and losing my hair, losing my eyelashes, losing my pubes, TMI. It has been a huge difference. Um, thankfully, knock on wood, I haven't had any of the, you know, sexual desire changes that come with some of the, um, some of the medicines and stuff. Yeah. But it has definitely colored the way that I look at, um, relationships and my body also i've i kind of already had a fuck it kind of attitude but like now i said look ain't shit ain't nothing stopping me now like i look yeah. cancer in the eye and was like nah bitch so yeah. it's now it's just balls to the wall you know say less so uh i appreciate you sharing that because it's one of those things where um if you haven't gone through cancer you don't know how it feels to just say like, I got to live life to the fullest. I can't wait. I have to put things in action. And that's a different mentality, especially as you survive something that most people don't survive from, you know, especially at our age, you know? And um, one thing for me, I know my faith grew uh, so much when um, I was going through this and I had, uh, I did, and I think I shared this, you know, during, you know, our launches that like I had my own like a little ritual where, um, you know, I had my alone time. Um, I want to ask you, you know, going through, you know, chemo, radiation, COVID, you know, being a single mother and, and raising your child, um, how, how was your faith? You know, did it grow? You know, like, and if so, um, what can you share with, with the, the people that are listening about, you know, how important your faith is? It's, it's been everything. So I will say that it, it has been a, this has been a tough time. Um, and not even, what's crazy is like, I went through so much shit before cancer that by the time I got to cancer, I was like, okay, this is something that has to happen, but we're going to yeah. be good. You know, like yeah. I was, I was married and my ex-husband and I, like 
were madly in love and the the relationship just the marriage was no longer serving either of us and although we both knew that it was time for our marriage to end it still hurt and yeah. that was a very difficult time um i lost my mother i, wow. I went through miscarriages i lost mm. my grandmother and so by the time cancer came along i was like oh god's got me like i know for a fact he's got me because he delivered me through all of this yeah um so it's just it I feel like everything that happened before that was leading up to me having to deal with cancer. And so it just made me that, so I just knew like, I not at one point in this entire process did I think I wasn't gonna be here for my son because mm -hmm. I knew that God delivered me through like gut-wrenching miscarriages, the, the, the ending of a really great marriage, um, losing my mother and my grandmother, who was like my best friend, you know? Right, so right. by the time I got to cancer, it was like, all right, God, come on. I'm like, I, I can do it all with you. Like, I know that I'm going to get through this. And I say this all the time, but I've literally felt the hand of God moving things and shifting things. Mm. Um, when I was, when I was right before um, I got diagnosed, I sold my house and moved into the house that I'm currently in. Right. And at the time I moved into the house thinking like, oh, this will be dope. I'll just, you know, my best friend lives upstairs. There's a two unit house. I was like, my best friend lives upstairs. She's a single mom. Her daughter and my son get along great. This will be great. Not even realizing that this was God preparing me for the fact that I'd be going through a really, a really tough time and need somebody upstairs that can drive me to every appointment that can sit with wow. me. Wow. Wow. You know, my best Amazing. friend, she um knew that she was she's she does freelance. She's a writer and author. And she had been staying for so long, like I gotta get she was she was working a nine to five. She's like, I gotta get out of here. I gotta get out of here. It, it's just time for me to go. It's time for me to go. Her last day at that job was literally like a week after my surgery. So mm -hmm. that she could freelance and literally sit at the foot of my bed to make sure I was taking my medicines and doing, you know, like, it's just, it's amazing how you think one thing is happening for a reason, but it's just God lining things up and shifting things and making things. And it works in mysterious ways. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, so I say all this, like, and now I'm on some like wild shit. Why? Cause I'm like, you know what? If God put this on my heart to do it, and it, it he going to make this shit happen. Like I've literally been just, Stepping out on faith, not knowing where this next step is going to come, what, what's going to happen, what's going to make this next step happen. Even if I fall, I'm like, I'm going to fall into something better because I know for a fact that I have a pure heart, I have pure intentions, and God is going to guide me and deliver me from whatever the fuck the world has for me. Man, that's so amazing. So I, I have this question for you. And, you know, I, I'm also a, a parent. You know, I have a, yeah. a lovely, beautiful daughter. And so, we love your baby. I do. That's that's my boo. That's my boo. Um, what would you tell your younger self, knowing that every, all the stuff that you've gone through, especially with cancer, what would you tell your younger self if you went back in time and met your younger self, maybe fifteen? You know, what would you tell her? Uh, stay away from the ancient boys. No. Uh, <laughs> 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 no. Um. Just. Trust yourself, trust your gut, you know, just keep a pure heart and pure intentions and everything will fall in place. You will be okay. You will be okay no matter how dark. And I, 
sometimes I feel bad because I'm talking to my friends and I feel like I talk like a Hallmark card because it's just like, but right. I truly believe like at the end of the day, if, if shit ain't right, it ain't over. You yeah. know, like it, it's going to be, you will be okay in the end, Erica. You will be fine. So even if it's tough, you might feel like this is the darkest time. You're going to be okay. You will be okay. Amen. Amen to that. So, um, you know, here at Positive Deposits, we always ask our guests to, to drop at least three. Now, some people have dropped four, some people are two, but just three words of encouragement, positive deposits to help them get through something like you've gone through or just any other type of cancer. So what are three words of advice, positive deposits that you would give to someone that's, you know, experiencing cancer, breast cancer? Um, what, would, what would those three be? Should I? And if you have more, I mean, you know, yeah, but. I, I can't give, I can't, you know, I, you can tell I can't just sum stuff up in just a few. Okay, words. well, well, no, okay, I will say that shit gets tough. You do not have to, um, you don't have to be strong all the time. Mm, that's a good one. But you have this community. I didn't even touch on this. Like I, when I got diagnosed, I found this community of women that had breast cancer. And I didn't, I didn't have to be strong because I knew if I was weak, they was going to hold me up, you know? So nice. just find your community. Shit, if you can't got one, call me. I, we, we'll put my, my contact information. You know, like just, yeah. you don't always have to be strong, but you're going to make it through it. And you might come out that bitch on the other side, bandaged, looking like the Civil War wounded, but you will come out of it. You will be good. And you will have your, like, just, just, you know. Have your community, no question. I wish I had, like, some, like, some, like, beautiful, succinct, you know, like, nah, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. So have your community. Have some, have that, that, that body of people um, that can uplift you. Have your community. Yes. (laughs) Have your, (laughs) well, well, yeah, this is, it's been a pleasure and it's been uh, great talking to you. Um, you're you're truly an inspiration. I'm sorry. You know, I thank have to. You. I, it sounds weird because I'm like you, but okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I um, I watch it. I watch your uh, just your journey, and it's so inspiring. I, I loved how you made it personal. You just talked to everyone that was viewing. You know, and so uh, you are always a part of the positive deposit family. You already know that. Because yeah, I was, I ain't going nowhere. Like you invited <laughs> me, and I'm like a vampire, bro. <laughs> you let me in. <laughs> I ain't going well, <laughs> and so um, as we come to a close, where can people find you? Where where can we, you know, if women that want to reach out to you, you know, to, to, to touch and talk about, you know, turn on podcasts or just, you know, that support, okay. how can we, how can they find you? So um, my podcast is the turn on podcast. That's our handle on Instagram. On Twitter is the turn on pod. Our website is www.turnonpodcast.com. Um, right now we still a small shop. So, uh, I am managing the email accounts, either me or my co-host. So hit me up there. Um, and I'd be more than happy. Like I, like I said, I, I was blessed at every turn. And so I would love to be a blessing to someone else. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Erica, for being a guest on the show. It was an amazing, amazing journey, but just story where I'm laughing. It, It was, it's been a pleasure. And so for those that are listening, you know, catch this episode on 
Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and our YouTube channel. Uh, because here we transform minds and change lives. And don't forget, go to the website, www.positivedeposits.org. Hit that donation button because buy some merch. Uh, Wait, is the merch still available? Oh yeah. So oh yeah, yeah. buy some merch. I was buy I some merch. my t-shirt and my mask the other day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, buy the merch, either donate and also too, just this plug that we are partnered nationally partnership with the Orally Cancer Foundation. So text aura O R A three two seven to seven one seven seven seven. And so with that being said, thank you, Erica. Thank and you for having me. This was like, pleasure. this was dope. I, I'm so happy to be part of the family. All right. And it's a wrap.